Here's a little bit more of chapter four of Early One Morning by Virginia Bailey. We're now with um, Chiara and Cecilia and the little boy Daniele, who's going with them, obviously. And they're leaving Rome and they're going to visit their grandmother in the hills. So they leave Rome the following day. On the first train, Cecilia dozes and the boy stares out of the window with watchful, uncomprehending eyes. Chiara has given him his own bag to carry, her cloth one. The strap is too long for him and the bag, stuffed with an old blanket and a picture book dated 1921, hangs down almost to his knees when he walks. It lies on his lap now and on top of it is a hat with earmuffs that she found in a chest of drawers in her grandparents' room an ancient hat that might have belonged to her own father when he was a child. She planted it on his head. To keep your ears warm, she said, he snatched it off. Cecilia, too, holds her hat on her lap, a felt hat with a brim that matches the grey tailored suit with navy piping that she is wearing and that she made herself. Chiara looks at the face of her sleeping sister, so innocent and unblemished. The mark on Cecilia's cheek where Chiara slapped her is still faintly visible. It puts her in mind of the time Cecilia had a fit of such violence that it knocked a picture from the wall that struck Chiara as it fell. It was the picture of the Sacred Heart of Jesus that used to hang over their bed when they were children and lived with their mother and father in the apartment in San Lorenzo. In the picture, Jesus wore a white robe with a red cloak slung over one shoulder his right hand, the wound from the nail clear to see, was held up in blessing. His left hand pulled back the folds of his cloak to reveal his radiant heart, surrounded by a crown of thorns like a thicket or a cage of barbed wire. Above his sacred heart was a golden cross, the same colour as the border of his white robe, as well as that of the emanations like rays of the sun from the white glow of his halo. His brown and wavy hair came down to his shoulders. His brow was smooth and untroubled, and his cheek were pink like a girl's or a very young man's, but he had a beard and a moustache. He wasn't in an actual physical place, merely floated in goldenness and light. One night a sharp blow to the face woke Chiara to tumult and chaos, as, as if she were in the middle of an earthquake. She remembers screaming and people coming running. Their maid, Annalisa and Nonna, who must have been staying, and another figure she can't identify, although she remembers grey hair. One of them, one of the great aunts on the maternal side, was it, perhaps, one of those old ladies that got left behind when the family emigrated. And these women were all making shushing noises, but doing nothing to rescue Chiara, marooned on the jangling island of their bed. Then their father was there, the pipe smell of him, his voice cutting through the clamour, calling for calm, calm, for the love of God, leaning over the frothing, fitting creature that had taken Cecilia's place and plucking Chiara up to tuck her, still shrieking, against his shoulder. Beyond him stood their mother, who must surely have been the first to speed along the passage, but who had frozen there on the threshold while the others had pushed past her in the room. Her long black hair in the limelight, her white nightie bunched in one hand, her mouth open in a scream that echoed and amplified Chiara's own. She slumped in the doorway like a stupid useless girl and not like someone's mother at all. And then Chiara was put in her nonna's arms and while their father um, tended to Cecilia, there was blood on the sheets and the mother thought it was the blood of Jesus, his sacred heart bleating 
uh, bleeding. Antonella, look, look at Chiara's face, Babbo said. The fray must have hit her as it fell. It has cut her cheek. But it made no difference for their mother. Chiara's face might be bleeding, but Jesus had bled too. He turned his face away, their mother whispered. It's the devil in her that hurts him so. Chiara heard them in the kitchen while Anna Lisa was dressing the wound. Her babbo forbade Mama from taking Cecilia to the priest, from having this thing done, whatever it was. I won't have it, he said. Superstitious nonsense, he said. The child has enough torment without that. Give the medicine a chance to work. Their father was going away on business. Anna Lisa had laid out his clean shirts on the bed and he was choosing which ones to take. Chiara was helping. She was rolling his ties, furling them like snails, the dark green one with the red diamonds, the grey one that she preferred. Remember, Cecilia must have a spoonful of her medicine every night, he said to Annalisa. Yes, sir, she said, and left the room. Are you frightened, her father said to Chiara, to be in the room when she has the fits? And Chiara said no, she wasn't. He told her she was a good, brave girl. He said that if it happened when he was away, she was to fetch Annalisa rather than mother, because Annalisa was more like a nurse. He hadn't seen, as Chiara had, Annalisa crossing herself when she had pressed Cecilia and muttering an invocation under her breath to keep the devil away. That was when Chiara knew no one else was going to protect Cecilia. It was down to her. So here we have a part of the background of the uh, sisters who are going to look after Daniele. And we still haven't come to the association with 1973, where there is a very important part of this book. So I'm going to leave you there with that thought, and I will return with more of this chapter where they're going to meet the grandmother, because it's really interesting, and then we'll talk further about the book from then. Thank you.